Good morning. It's Saturday. I'm in the office. You know what that means. The Saturday Morning Hustle Podcast. New year, new format, which is really a return to the original format. All kinds of changes happening on the Saturday Morning Hustle Podcast. I took a few weeks off with the first time I've ever done that. Back in December, we've had a break. Now we're coming back. My intent for this episode, the first one in 2023 and the first one after that break was to talk about how we're going to move forward together on the Saturday Morning Hustle in 2023. The changes in the format, the changes in hustle culture, the changes in things happening in my life that make this possible for us to have this time together on Saturday mornings. But something happened that while we were on break that is more important and I think I need to talk about here on the program. And base idea that we're going to discuss today is mental health, specifically men's mental health as a man myself and someone who falls into a lot of the stereotypes about how men apply and think about and talk about their mental health and how it goes into the concepts of masculinity and expectations of men in our society. I'm telling you right now, I am one of the worst at this. I The things we're talking about today, I'm talking about myself. I'm talking to myself, but I'm talking to you as well about mental health, specifically in men. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. Follow along. You're going to have to admit some things about yourself as well. Whether you do it out loud or in your own head, that's fine. Uh, ladies, you know a man who is going through this, who is, who is doing the same things. These are stereotypes, but men fall into this all the time. And this has all been triggered by the December 13th suicide of Twitch, the dancer Stephen Boss. Most most of you know him as Twitch. He was a break dancer who became famous on the show, So You Think You Can Dance. Eventually got into movies doing choreography and on screen and, and movies like Magic Mike and was a DJ and then eventually an executive producer of the Ellen DeGeneres show for multiple years, seven, eight years or more until that show ended recently. Also had some other projects lined up in the future. Had a very popular social media presence along with his wife, Allison Holker, who's also a professional dancer, their children. And the suicide death of Twitch, of Steven, is impactful because he's the person who everyone would say was extremely happy, was extremely positive, had every visible sign of everything working for them. Things in professional life was going well. His personal life was going well. He had a wife, he had children, had a beautiful home. They spent a lot of time sharing themselves on social media as fans. I've never met this person. I've never been in the same room with him, but I was a big fan of his work. I was very much impressed with his dance abilities and what he was doing in the world of hip hop. He came in second on on the So You Think You Can Dance show, considering he was competing against all against trained dancers who'd spent every minute of their life working with instructors and studios, etc., to learn all types of classical dance. And he was a street dancer. He was a hip hop dancer, but he almost won the show. He came in second place because of his charisma, because of his personality, because he connected with people and people felt like they knew him. They felt like they were experiencing his joy with him. He was a very positive outwardly person. Obviously when someone commits suicide, there are a lot of things happening within them that we don't see. It's something none of us understand. None of us who have never attempted suicide 
and I include that in myself, can't understand what a person goes through when they start contemplating it or where they actually achieve that, that result. But the, that doesn't happen without negative mental health factors and things that get out of control before that point. Someone doesn't go from perfectly healthy and happy to suicidal in a second. It's a long process. And going back to the what men are bad about is we don't talk about our mental health. We don't talk about things that are bothering us or troubling us. We also physical health as well, too. Most men won't tell you if they're hurting, if they're tired, if they're worn out, if they're in pain, if there's a problem. And they definitely don't discuss those same aspects of their mental health because it is often seen, this is in our head against going back to the stereotype, that that makes us weak or lesser of men or not being able to provide the the things that we're expected to provide as a, the man of the household, if you will, all of these ideas about who men are and what they do. And so men fall into the stereotype of not talking about it. Again, I'm the worst about this as well. I definitely don't talk publicly about my physical health, my mental health, any things of that nature. I don't do it very well with discussing it with my spouse either. I keep a lot of this stuff internalized. This is what a lot of people do. And this is how sometimes when things are going in uncontrollable ways, especially for men, when they don't discuss these things, it can get out of hand and something as tragic as suicide happens when people don't understand how that could even be in a possibility. And this is the case with Stephen Twitch boss that no one would have ever thought he was suicidal. And a lot of the reactions to the news of his passing was confusion. No one understands where this came from and how it could happen for someone who appeared outwardly to be extremely happy, everything in their life working in the right way, almost an idealistic lifestyle. The things that you would think of, uh, how many people, how many young people think I want to become a dancer or an artist, a musician or some creative professional, and they follow up on that dream and they actually get to do it professionally for a living and to have a spouse who is also involved in that art form and to have children and to have people around them and to be working at a high level in a very public way, all of the success that comes with it, all of those things happening in that young man's life. And then he ended it abruptly 40 years old, leaving a wife and children leaving all kinds of missed opportunity and potential, missed potential because there was a mental health issue. And I'm not a doctor and I don't know Twitch and I don't know anything more than anyone has read about this case. So I'm not telling you any sort of insight outside of if we as men and as a society and as people do a better job of talking about the fact that we have bad days, the talking about the fact that we have issues, that we are not perfectly strong, that we're not Superman, that we have things that harm us, that hurt us, that slow us down, that make us feel a way that we don't want to, if we can talk about those things, if we can be honest about those things, then maybe we can work through those things in better ways so that anyone who might potentially be in such a dark place that suicide seems a logical conclusion, maybe that happens less often. I don't know how many people I'm going to be able to affect with this conversation, but I want to affect as many as possible. And the only way I can do that, number one, is bringing up the topic because I think it's so important because, again, 
Twitch was someone who was seen as 100% positive, 100% control. Everything was going his way. So you can't assume what's happening with people because that obviously wasn't the case for him. And you can't assume you can handle anything yourself or that it can't happen to me when it happens to someone who, uh, by all appearances, has everything lined up for them. So like I've said many times thus far, I am one of the worst offenders of this. I am one of those men who fall into these categories of not willing to talk about mental or physical health, definitely not in public, and not even good job doing it with my family members or people that I do love and trust on a regular basis. So I'm going to start that conversation with you today. I'm not going to reveal everything to you, and I wouldn't expect you to reveal everything to everyone else in such a public place. But there are things that I've never talked about publicly, especially on this podcast that I do want to get into today to be an example of how it can be done, how it doesn't make myself or anyone else lesser of a man, lesser of a human, lesser of a professional, or someone who isn't capable of doing all the things that they anticipate doing and dealing with setbacks and dealing with negative outcomes and dealing with all the things that we all deal with as human beings. So we all get caught up in the idea of presenting this image. And as a person who works in marketing, image is everything. And I'm definitely caught up in that idea of maintaining a specific image which is kind of funny. Now, as someone who's over 50 years old, and my last, the last episode of the podcast, episode 300, was on my 52nd birthday. So that's uh, something, too, I don't talk about my age very much. I don't like that to be a factor when someone maybe sees me as someone who's too old or is not necessarily the perfect person for maybe an opportunity I'm wishing to apply for or be a part of. There was a lot of times in my, in the past where I was considered too young to do things. And now there's part of things in my, in my future, I might be considered too old for. And the fact is it's okay if I'm considered too old for something. Sure. I would like to participate in opportunities, but if some, if I'm really too old for it, if I'm really not the demographic, I'm not really the right person, the right fit, that's fine. They should move on without me anyways. It should work that way. So age is just a number. It's just an attitude. I could tell you I don't understand the difference in my own mind about from the time I was 30 to the time I was 52, what was differently in my head. Now, I could tell you there's some physical differences. I definitely don't have the strength in my body that I had at a younger age. I used to not ever get sick. I do get sick more occasionally, uh, cold, flu, things of that nature, still relatively healthy in that aspect. I'm going to knock on wood for that. There we go. So my age has affected that as well. I also have some injuries from my past that the older I get, the more effective they are on me as well. I'm in 1998, I had a mountain bike accident, broke my neck, caused a lot of damage to myself, including what's called a TBI or a traumatic brain injury. Uh, wrecked my bike going 35 miles an hour downhill, um, hit the ground, went from 35 miles an hour to zero in one second, and uh, crafted what was created inside of me, what was called traumatic brain injury, along with severe concussion, again, the broken neck, broken jaw, all kinds of, of other things that aren't important at this point in time. But we're talking about mental health. Having a traumatic brain injury is a mental health issue. It's not something I talk about because I don't want anyone to think I'm lesser of a person or not capable of being a top-notch professional or a great podcast host or carrying a good conversation because I've had a traumatic brain injury. It's something I've been managing for the last 30 years, 20 years, 
since my since that happened in oh, almost yeah it's been, it's been 25 years essentially being able to manage that. I also don't talk about it a lot because the only way to explain traumatic brain injuries is often with an example of members of our military. I have a good friend, uh, Major Ed Polito. You've heard me talk about him on the podcast before. Purple Heart recipient. Massive respect for Major Ed. Uh, his vehicle, in um, he was in Iraq. The vehicle hit a hit an IED, an improvised explosive device. Uh, lots of damage. Ed lost one of his legs. Also had a traumatic brain injury. When people meet Ed, and he talks about this all the time in public and in his book, so I'm not relaying anything that's not known about major ed but he his injury to his leg you can see you can see the prosthetic leg that he travels on you can't necessarily see his traumatic brain injury i bring this up because i really feel bad and wrong and shameful really about discussing my traumatic brain injury and any sort of relation to Major Ed's traumatic brain injury. At the end of the day, the physicality, the, what physically happened to Ed and what physically happened to me, the damage that, that happened to our brains and our need to relearn things and our memory loss and our recovery and in how we manage our daily lives physically are relatively the same. I think Ed's Injury was more severe than mine, but at the end of the day, they were both a traumatic brain injury, and there's a certain way that the body deals with that. But I feel really wrong about describing myself having a traumatic brain injury that is similar to what our military members go through. Major Ed was blown up. That's really, really bad. He not only had a physical percussion damage, but he had the mental damage of going through that with the other people in the vehicle as it happened and then dealing with the loss of his leg and uh, his departure from the, the military. And this happened in, in across the, the planet. So his family wasn't with him immediately. And all of the things that Major Ed had to deal with was is different than I had to deal with. And so I feel shameful about discussing a traumatic brain injury in the same breath as Major Ed's traumatic brain injury. injury. But you have to admit how what these things are and the diagnosis is what the diagnosis is. So one of the side effects for me from my traumatic brain injury is that I used to be a musician. I was a musician for 15 years, a professional musician working in the music industry for 15 years. Uh, my fingers don't work the same way they did before the traumatic brain injury. I don't type the same. I used to be very good at typing. Now I'm very not very good at typing, very terrible at typing. I can't play instruments the same way. My fingers don't work. Now, it's something you wouldn't notice if you were ever around me. My fingers work. I can carry things. I have grip. I can write with a pencil. I can do anything. I can type. That's not very good because often when my brain tells my finger to type a T or a D or an S, my finger does not know where to go or it goes somewhere else. And this is all subconscious in the back of my mind. It's the same thing playing an instrument as well. These are effects that I've been dealing with personally, but it's something I managed to deal with. Speaking of being a musician, though, I also, for the last 25 years, 30 years, 
actually more than that now even, but for the last 30 years, I've been dealing with tinnitus. I have a constant ringing in my ears. Sometimes it's deafening. A lot of times I can ignore it. I can survive most of my day with not actually noticing it. My brain has trained itself to ignore the frequency that's currently and constantly going through my head until someone brings it up. Someone asks me about the ringing in my ears or I hear certain frequencies. And then here's a sidebar for you. Here's a sidebar, everyone. Special effects creators, audio effects creators for TV and for video and for for movies, etc. Please stop using that high pitch frequency to demonstrate what happens and then just exactly what happens when there's damage to your hearing. And what I'm talking about is on a movie or TV show, when a bomb goes off near the protagonist, you... Immediately, all the sound comes out of the room, and what comes back first is that high pitch ring. And that's the sound of tinnitus, and that's accurate. That would go happen to you if a bomb went off next to you or some other loud noise, but when I see that on TV or in a movie, it triggers my tinnitus to attack me even more than it really does. So don't be doing that. Using Find other ways to demonstrate the after effects of a bomb going off in a movie or TV show to our main character, because when you put that in that element in, it's actually painful to those of us in the audience. So it's a little sidebar for you sound effects artists out there dealing with tinnitus, dealing with a traumatic brain injury, dealing with finger dexterity that doesn't always work the way it should. These are things that I've come to become accomplished to deal with on a regular basis, but I don't talk about it on a regular basis. And as I get older, eventually I'm going to have some arthritis issues that are going to creep into that as well. Even discussing turning 50, uh, all of the medical tests and things that come with turning 50, especially in men and all of the things that can go wrong with this. I've been dealing with that for the last two years. COVID kind of pushed a little bit of that timing of that in the wrong way as well. But these I'm, I'm considered a person who's who's regularly very positive, very upbeat, very in a good mood. I come on this podcast very intentionally to be motivational and to be inspirational, to be upbeat and to be finding the positives and thing. There are plenty of times, small little aspects of my life, little things that set me off that make me very angry in a very short amount of time for very dumb reasons. Red lights are the worst. Sitting at a red light can make me almost physically ill. I'm so angry. And it's talking about setting a red light for 30 seconds, not for five minutes or 10 minutes or 20 minutes, not being traffic for an hour. A 30 second interruption can sometimes switch something off in my brain that makes me act irrationally. Luckily, I have a pretty good understanding of it. I know it happens and I can sometimes kind of work around it. But these are things that happen to people on a regular basis that they don't talk about. But it makes your life a little bit more difficult, a little bit different. It's just the situation is is what it is. And if we could talk about it, if we could be open and honest about it, if we can let people know that there are things that, that keep that hold us back or slow us down, it's not about them seeing us as weak or inferior, but they should understand that to allow a little bit extra time when I type you an email or to type you a text 
or with someone who has a bad time remembering certain details. If they have a traumatic brain injury, that might be part of the process and to allow them a little bit of grace. Or if there are certain situations that trigger them, make them feel uncomfortable. Certain sounds you should or should not include in your video presentations, etc., that hurt people who have tinnitus or other things in their ears. The all, and this is just things that I'm affected by. There's lots, hundreds, thousands of different things that people are affected by in the world that we all just need to be more considerate of. So the point tonight, men, be more open in your conversation about the fact that you're not perfect, that you're not Superman, that you're not 100% ready to go all day, every day. Some days, your back hurts. Some days you don't feel like getting out of bed. I'm not saying you can stay in bed and hit that snooze alarm every day, but some Saturdays that you just don't feel it, don't get up and to get on your Saturday morning hustle, recharge that hustle battery. We've talked about that on the podcast before. There are times where you need to take a break. There are times when you need to say no. There are times when you need to admit that you're not capable of something physically or mentally, you're not prepared for it. There's something, some aspect of it that this doesn't work for you. If you can be honest about that, if you can be honest with other people, then they can find the, the space to allow you to, to participate in the way you need to participate in the way you can participate. So you can still create tremendous value, even though you're not perfect. At the end of the day, no one is perfect. No one should consider themselves needing to be perfect. So why shouldn't we be able to talk about the defects and the things that hold us back and the things that make each and every one of our situations different? That is the key. Being open to each other's differences, being understanding of the process, being open to allowing people to do things the way they need to do it as long as it still is beneficial and creates positive outcomes and value for everyone else. But you can't get that from people if you can't be honest with them about those things that keep you from being 100%. Whether it is a temporary thing, you've pulled a muscle and or you worked out just a little too hard, you didn't get a good night's sleep last night, you've eaten poorly this week, you're stressed out about something specific in your life uh, that's outside of work or it has to do with work. Either way, allowing people to understand that that's going on with you can buy you enough of the space to actually still continue to give them great value and create great value for yourself in a more understanding way. So dudes, be more open about what's happening with you. The more it affects you, the worse the outcomes are of it, the more that it's taking you down the wrong path, the more you should be talking about it. The more you should be expressing to people that you trust, the people that you love, the people that are involved in your life, the people that you work with, the people that you are active with on a regular basis, and absolutely the people in your own household that you do the most direct and specific things with. Be honest with these people. Let them know when something hurts. Let them know when you feel a certain way that you can't explain. Let people be a part of the process of helping you heal and not being so uptight about not revealing these things or portraying something more than you are because that's what society expects of you. So, that advice was for everyone out there, but that advice was for me 
as well. A lot of this is the first time I'm talking about this on the podcast. So I'm breaking down that barrier so that you can break down your own barriers too. whatever it is in your life, however it applies to you, just be more open to be sharing so that people can then allow you to, to, do the things you need to do the way you need to do them. It should be a two-way street. It should be a good thing. And last bit of advice here, if you're open and honest with people about physical or mental health issues you have going on, if something is affecting you mentally or physically and you're honest with someone, whether it is someone in your in a personal relationship, business relationship, otherwise, and they don't react in the way you're expecting them to. If they're negative, if they do find it as a point of weakness, you probably need to separate from them anyways. If someone is negative towards you because you admit that you are not perfect on a regular basis, that you have days that you're off, that you have days that you're sad, there are days that you're depressed, there are days that you're angry, there there are things that frustrate you, there are problems you have physically or mentally. If someone finds that to be a point of weakness, that's not a person you need in your life anyways. Trust me on that, okay? So that was a different, very, very different type of podcast. I know you weren't expecting this conversation today, but the loss of of Twitch, public loss, his family obviously has been affected, but it, people who are fans of his, like myself, who are who just knew him through his his public persona, were also affected as what affected as well. And I felt this was a perfect trigger for a conversation about men being more honest about our mental health and our physical health. Be more open about it. Be more part of a healing process and less of a hiding process. I've been that person. I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to you. I hope it's helpful. I hope it's motivational. I will be back next Saturday talking about how we move forward in 2023 of the Saturday Morning Hustle podcast, what the podcast means, what it looks like, and how hustle culture has changed since I started this podcast six years ago. This goes back to two. I'm six years older as well. My work habits have changed, etc. So how do we keep on with the value of a Saturday morning hustle? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to me? What can it be without having to think about how much extra effort and toil goes into it, but more about focus, more about attention, more about taking care of yourself, which dovetails right into the conversation we just had about taking care of your mental and physical health as well. So hopefully that was beneficial for you guys today. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Appreciate you listening to that conversation. And I appreciate you looking forward to next week's conversation about hustle culture in 2023 and how the Saturday morning hustle fits into that. So until Next time, make sure you subscribe, make sure you follow on social media, and if you're interested in some swag, hit SaturdayMorningHustle.com. Thanks.